Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Good evening, everybody. It's good to see you out. I know some of you are hurting, some of you are tired. I just pray that you can rest in that grace. I was looking at that last song, and tonight the title of the message is Run and Finish. Run and Finish. And we're going to be in Acts chapter 20, beginning with verse 22, if you want to turn there. Acts chapter 20, beginning with verse 22. When I was looking at that word, amazing grace... And that word grace is the word race. And if it wasn't for God giving us that grace, we definitely would not be here tonight. We definitely would not have been able to go through things in our lifetime if God wasn't with us. So the title again tonight is Run and Finish. Before I actually get into the the word. I was a cross country coach in high school for 28 years. We used to start June 1st training and we would go five to six days a week running with the kids, and our season would not end till November 21st. And we would go five or six days a week. And these are high school kids that would get up at 8 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday to train. That alone is a miracle. Right? That's a miracle. And they would do that for five or six days in a row. June, July, August. Then they're back in school and then we start practice in the afternoon. And every one of the kids through the 28 years, because they trained with us so rigorously during the summer, they always finished the race. They might not have been the fastest. They might have been one of the slowest but they always finish. And all the kids that they train with, didn't matter if they finished first or last, the team was always there to cheer them on when they came across the finish line because they knew the amount of work they put in just like they did. And they respected that person. For you and I as Christians, to even be in the race, you have to have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have to have come to that realization that we're all sinners, that we all fall short of God's glory. We have to repent. We have to admit that we're sinners. We have to repent. We have to turn from the way we were running and follow the leader, Jesus Christ. We have to follow the head coach. He fills us with His Holy Spirit to be able to go through the various terrain that we go through on any given race or any given day or any given year or any given night, or any given injury, or any given sickness, whatever it is. And we learn. We learn. He teaches us through our trials, through our tribulations, through our aches, and through our pains. Well, tonight, as we look at um, Acts 20, we're going to see Paul. You know, we've, of course, we've been watching a lot of Paul, reading and teaching a lot about Paul. And we're going to learn more about him and just his love for his Lord. 
His love for the people that the Lord puts in His path. But we're all going to see also see things about you and I. Things that maybe we're going through right now or might go through tomorrow or have been through a month ago or a year ago. So let's dive in and see what God has for us tonight with His Word. So we're in verse 22 of chapter 20. And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Wow, there's a lot in those, those few verses. And see, now I go bound, in verse 22, in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Well, one of the first things, everybody, is we shouldn't be going anywhere if we're not in the Spirit. We're in deep trouble if we're not in following God's lead through His precious Holy Spirit. And what's so cool here with Paul, he's bound. We're going to look at that a little bit. In um, Acts chapter 21, you're right there if you want to just turn to Acts 21 verses 12 to 14. We'll be looking at that probably in the next teaching or two. Acts 21, verses 12 to 14. Paul says, Now when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, if you remember in Acts, I think it was back in Acts 16 or earlier, remember the Holy Spirit forbid Paul to go to certain parts of Asia? He forbid him to go there. Paul now has a passion and a desire to go back to Jerusalem. If you remember in his two or three years he's been in this area, he's also been not only preaching the gospel to Jews and Gentiles, but he's been collecting money to bring back to the poor people in Jerusalem. So he has a hunger to get there. He has, he's on a mission. And nothing stops a man or a woman of God who's on a mission of God for the purposes of God because he's, he or she is driven by the Spirit of God to get to where they're supposed to be. And you think of that as a race, being on a course, being hilly, being hot out or cold, not feeling great, but still pushing through and gutting through it because you've been trained, because you were trained for those moments of adversity. In Acts 21, verse 14, it says, So when he would not be persuaded, so they try to persuade Paul. They were saying, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. It's not going to be good for you there. Don't go. Stay here. 
He wouldn't listen. Because he was listening, not to man, but to God. So they stopped persuading him. And they ended up saying, the will of the Lord be done. And that's where we want to be, isn't it, in our walk? Always saying, Lord, may your will be done, not mine. I'm clueless. Where God guides you, He provides for you. He makes the way. He opens the sea. He shows you the steps to take. In Acts, you don't have to turn there. In Acts chapter 9, verse 16, it says, For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Remember, way back at the beginning, back in Acts 9, chapter 9, this was one of the things that God said, that I'm going to show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. He prepared Paul for what was coming. Even the ultimate sacrifice, which would be his life. But Paul still has two or three years left from where we are right now in Acts chapter 20. In Acts 14, 22, it says, Strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Notice, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Some places won't teach that. That being a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to go through tribulations. You're going to go through trials. You're going to go through sickness. There's going to be hard times. There's going to be loss. But He's with us through the valley of the shadow of death. And we learn, don't we? With each valley, with each trial, with every tribulation that we go through. That's just like as when I coached these kids, we ran up hills. We would do hill repeats. 10, 12 hill repeats that were anywhere from a quarter of a mile to a half a mile. Coach, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Well, when they raced, they only had to do it one time on that same course. What is God bringing you and me through? What is He training us for as we go through the different trials and tribulations of life? 1 Thessalonians 3.3, it says that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. Don't let the things that you're going through stop you from keeping your eyes on Jesus Christ. Don't take your vision off of Him. In 2 Timothy 2.12 it says, If we endure, we shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. Philippians 3.10 That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death. Jesus is always teaching us through the good times 
but mostly through the trials, <laughs> right? Mostly through the tribulation. Because that's when we listen. I don't know about you, but when things are going well, I don't usually listen too good much or too well. But boy, when things start going the wrong way, I listen. I listen. How do I get out of this, Lord? Show me the way. What are we doing? Give me strength. Back in Acts 20, verse 23 says, Except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. That's an amazing verse. Along with verse 24, But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. In Psalm 16.8 it says, I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. You and I, right, always need to have Jesus in front of us. We need to be following Him by knowing His Word, by talking to Him, by relying on Him, by trusting in Him, by not looking at the other things. To see Jesus Christ, you have to eliminate some other things. I can't be looking over here if Jesus is here. I've got to keep my eyes focused on Jesus Christ. There's got to be a steadfast determination. I want to read to you from Isaiah 50, verses 6 to 9. Now Paul said a few times in the Scriptures, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And when we see some of the stuff that Paul went through, understand that Jesus already went through it. Paul is imitating Jesus. The Holy Spirit of God is indwelling in Paul, enabling him to do the things that he can do. He is not a superman. There is no superman or superwoman. There are those men and women, boys and girls, controlled by the Holy Spirit of God that makes them super in what they're doing. That's huge. That's so important. So in Isaiah 50, verses 6 to 9, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. He is near who justifies me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near me. Surely the Lord God will help me. Now this is a prophecy of Jesus Christ. Long before he came to this earth. And notice in those verses, one of the things that I chose this verse for, it says, Therefore I have set my face like a flint. Paul was doing the exact same thing. His focus right now was to get back to Jerusalem. And I don't know if you remember the last time Paul wanted some of his followers to meet him. He bypassed Ephesus and he told his uh, friends to meet him in another place. 
Those people had to travel 36 miles to meet Paul. And I'm sure them just being human who loved Paul, probably like some of us would say, is why didn't he just come to Ephesus? Why is he having us meet him 36 miles journey that we have to take? And again, they didn't have vehicles. It was mostly on foot. So I'm sure they were saying, what's he doing this for? What's going on? They're going to find out soon enough why he wanted to meet with them. Matter of fact, it was going to be the last time they would see Paul. How important was that 36-mile walk back? And how they reflected it on in the future. We never know what we're going through and the value of it until the journey is done. And we look back. And then we see the value in it. And then the next time we're called on our journey, we start being more sensitive to the leading of God's Spirit and looking for God's hand in that journey. Because we're learning that nothing happens in our life without God's ordaining it. Well, we see here in these verses, again, wrapped around that race, you know, it says, this is my race. All of us are in the, a race. The grace race. On our way to the finish line. We're all in that race together. But guess what? It's your race, and your race, and your race, and your race. And we're running it together. And sometimes it's weary, isn't it? Sometimes it's full of joy. Sometimes we don't know if we can keep putting one foot in the, ahead of the other, spiritually speaking. But we've been doing it. We've been doing it over the years. And if you're a new believer, I just want to encourage you to keep putting one foot ahead of the other, spiritually speaking, and keep your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. How can you and I lose focus? I want to cover a few things. How can you and I lose focus on Jesus? Well, by the world, by the flesh, and by the devil. There's three right there. Remember, the devil has a, a team. He has demonic fallen angels who do his bidding. And they're out to get you. They're out to throw you off your course. To take you off focus of Jesus Christ. You can lose focus by your family and friends. They can be critical of your relationship with Jesus Christ. That might throw you off, especially if you're a new believer. Very important to understand that even good things can throw you off your course and throw you off your focus. You can, be, you can lose your focus through hardships, headaches, heartbreak, and ministry. You can be part of ministry and things can throw you off your game because you're dealing with 
human beings who are sinners like you. And you might say, well, how can they act like that? Well, they might be saying the same thing about you. And then you start realizing and loving the different personalities that God has put in together in your life to teach you, to smooth you out with your rough edges, to not take yourself seriously, to be able to laugh at yourself in that race. You can lose your focus by quitting your ministry, by not following your gift that God has given you or the gifts that God has given you. Think of Jesus, the full stress He went through and the agony on the cross. Think of Paul, what we saw, all the things that he's gone through. Boy, Jesus could have quit. Paul could have quit. You could have quit. I could have quit. But we didn't quit. Because we have Jesus Christ living in us. Can we trip up? Yes. Can we knock out of commission? Yes. But Jesus is faithful. He's faithful to His sons and His daughters. How can you and I regain our focus if we've lost it? Well, get back in His Word. Stay in the Bible. Read His Word. Fellowship with true believers. Talk to God. I want to go back to fellowship with true believers. Not everybody is a true believer. We're seeing that more and more with what's going on in our world. We're seeing Christian churches becoming anti-Semitic. Everybody, the Jewish people, Israel, are God's chosen people. They will always be. doesn't matter how anybody feels about it. They are the apple of His eye. And He made His promises to the Jewish people, the nation of Israel. He will fulfill all His promises. He will not renege on any of them. I believe what we're seeing in our world is the separation of the sheep and the goats. The weed and the tares. By your stand with the nation of Israel. Are they born again believers? Some of them. A lot of them are atheists. But God's not done with them yet. And I got great news. He's not done with you and me yet either. He's still working on us. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the Palestinian people who are caught in a bondage to terrorism. Pray for them. Pray for the Jewish people that they come to know their Messiah. Pray for our country. I will bless those who will bless Israel. I will curse those who curse Israel. When you see our leaders want to divide Israel or Jerusalem, no, you don't mess what God has put together. You don't mess with our God. How can we keep or regain our focus besides staying in His Word, fellowship with true believers, talking to Him? Is cling to His promises. Know the promises of God. Claim the promises of God. 
Hold on to him. Jesus knew the joy that was set before him when he went to the cross. What was that joy? Well, I'm looking at 30 of them. And open up a door. I can see cars driving by. That was his joy to die for the people of this world. So, you want to regain your focus? How about the joy that's set before you and me every day? Jesus. He saw you and me when He hung on the cross. When we're going through our trials and tribulations, see Jesus. We're going to meet Him pretty soon, you know. We're going to see Him face to face. We're going to see Him face to face. We're going to see Jesus face to face. What a day that will be, huh? Wow. It's coming. Getting closer. How to imitate the steadfastness of Jesus or like we're seeing Paul. How do, you, how do you imitate that? Well, don't be conformed to the things of this world. Any belief system is not okay. Being tolerant of sin is not okay. Our God is not tolerant of sin. He loves the sinner, but He hates the sin. Some churches are becoming tolerant of sin. Everybody's welcome, and anybody can st stand up here and talk about Jesus Christ. No, it doesn't work that way, dude. It doesn't work that way. You pray for people. We're all sinners. But you don't tolerate sin. Sin has become legal in this country. Sin that God, that Jesus died on the cross for, has become legal in this country. How long do you think Jesus is going to tolerate that? He calls you and I to be a light in a world that's getting darker and darker, and younger and younger kids are being influenced by that darkness. You and I are to be the lights. To snatch people out. When you have a right purpose that glorifies God, carry it out. Do it. If you're the only one, do it. Take a stand for Jesus. You don't need anybody else. You have Jesus. That's all you need. Hebrews 12 Verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, this is God's church. The body of Christ is God's church. We're going to see more and more people stepping up for Jesus in times when more and more people don't want to hear the name Jesus. There's going to be more and more people stepping up. Let's go back to verse 25 of chapter 20 of Acts. 
And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching, the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Verse 25 again. And and indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching. Preaching is telling the king's words. That's all preaching is. You tell the king's words. And Paul was telling the people of the kingdom of God. And he was also saying to them, guys, you're not going to see my face anymore. But I need to let you know in this present time that I'm with you that I am innocent of the blood of all men. And I've also declared to you the whole counsel of God. A group of servicemen asked their new chaplain if he believed in a real hell for lost sinners. And the chaplain smiled and told them that he did not. The soldier said, then you're wasting your time, the men replied. And if there is no hell, we don't need you. And if there is a hell, you are leading us astray. Either way, we're better off without you. Judgment is coming on a Christ-rejecting world. Judgment is coming on individuals who have rejected Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Jesus died for the Christ-rejecting world. He died for the individual people who are denying Christ. To see a soul saved is a miracle of God. I'm looking, you're looking at miracles of God who have come through grace to the cross of Christ. God is not done. And we have been very blessed at this church over the past several months that almost every Sunday someone is coming and receiving the Lord. Those are miracles. That doesn't happen in a church where Jesus Christ is not present. Don't, let's never take that for granted, right? Don't ever get in a routine when we see people getting saved. It's tremendous. Remember back in Acts 19, Paul taught the Ephesians and those in the region for more than two years. Remember the school of uh, Tyrannus? And there's some indication that Paul taught for several hours a day and sometimes six days a week for those couple years. That means people were getting taught hundreds of hours of teaching, probably more than 1,500 hours of teaching under Paul. He had plenty of time to take them verse by verse through the book of the Hebrew Scriptures. Paul taught, as we saw here, in verse 27, the whole counsel of God. That's what you and I do. We go through the Scriptures, verse by verse. We get the whole counsel. And I've shared this before, but I remember in my first year in a Bible-believing church that I learned more than in my previous 28 years of going to another church. In one year, I learned more than in previous 28 years. 28 years is a long time. And in one year, getting more solid teaching than I ever received before, that's the living Word of God. Right? It's active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates right down, speaks to you on any given time. Might be speaking to somebody in the back row, 
differently than it does to somebody in the front row because God knows what you need and you're being submissive and surrender to Him and He honors you. He loves you listening to His Word. He loves that. In verse 28, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which He purchased with His own blood. I want to read this again. Because when I read it, I was saying, I just read it and I understood it and I thought I understood it. I thought I understood it. And I read it again and I read it again. And then I looked up a commentary and I said, oh my goodness, I read that and I knew that and I believed that, but I didn't see that. So right here in this verse, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which He purchased with His own blood. Who purchased? God purchased. Well, we have God the Father. He's, he's spirit. He's not flesh and blood. We have the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit. There was only one that was flesh and blood. And that was Jesus. And He bled. And He died. And He purchased us with His own blood. But notice what it says right there in that verse. To shepherd the church of God which He purchased with His own blood. We have another evidence right there of Jesus being God. Right in that verse. An overseer is a man charged with the duty of seeing that things to be done by others are done rightly. It could be a guardian. It could be a superintendent. It could be an elder, a pastor of the church who's called to make sure that doctrinally sound things are being taught. We can never lose the focus on Jesus. We can never lose the focus that it's His church, that Jesus shed His blood for His church, and that the Holy Spirit is calling you, equipping you, and sending you into works of ministry. Tonight we had our third day of collection of the shoeboxes and we had a nice group out there and I want to say we had at least a dozen people and I think the only boxes we received were from our body. Right, Stace? One, just one box outside of our body. Yesterday, I think we had about 107 boxes, and before that, like over 260, I think it was. So did we strike out today? No way. There was fellowship going on. We opened up with prayer. There were some people that never met each other before. I learned that somebody owned a truck that I didn't know they did. <laughs> Verse 29, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. In these last couple verses, I just want to close. I remember Chuck Smith, when he was on his deathbed, or 
very close to death, he was asked one of the things that he feared about the continuation of Calvary Chapel. And he, he quoted this verse. He was uh, uh, concerned with savage wolves coming in, um, not sparing the flock. And unfortunately, it took place in his own church. Interesting, right? At the home base. None of us are above Jesus Christ. That's what Satan tried to do. Humility, an aweness of being able to open up God's Word and read it, or listen to it be taught, to worship Him, is an honor that most countries and people in the world do not have. And that so many times our country takes it for granted. What a privilege it is to be able to hear God's Word being taught. In 1 Timothy 1.18, it says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. So there's always a warfare in the church. There's always a battle for your mind. There's always a battle for your souls. There's always a, a prayers that are going out by the pastors and elders, and I'm sure many of you here, that God's Word is always preached. That poison doesn't get in to the church. Well, keep praying, because Satan wants to take down any good church. He'll, he'll try any way he can to destroy God's Word from being proclaimed. In 1 Timothy 1.19, it says, Having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwrecked. So many churches, it's so sad, do not teach God's Word. They don't believe in, the doc, in the, all the Scriptures. They pick and choose what they want to teach. They say it's less than 10% of the churches in our nation that teach God's Word. Less than 10%. That's horrific. And in 1 Timothy 1.20, continue with that, after suffer, or having suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I've delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So Paul is even saying to Timothy, hey, well, you know these two guys. They're shipwrecked. They're teaching things that shouldn't be happening. We're turning them over to Satan right now. So run and finish. As we close. To run the race, you must focus on the author and perfecter of your faith. That's Jesus Christ. Run. When you focus, one of the things is you're not only focusing on your Savior, but you're taking your eyes off of those things that are keeping you from having a clear focus on Him. Check yourself. What are we focusing on that's keeping Jesus blurry in our vision? Finish. Finish. Finish the race strong. Finish it well. Cross that finish line. Be able to say one day, Jesus, into Your hands 
I commit my spirit. And if that, obviously, has not happened yet, that means he's not done with you. He's not done with me. How you been doing up to this point as we close? It only takes Jesus. I want to get back on track. I want to get back in the race. You're there. That's all you got to do. Because he knows your heart. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.